0: Go ahead and make your way back. If you're already back, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12, our memory verse. We've been in the series uh, really since the end of last year into this year. And If you don't have a Bible, you can feel free to use uh, one of them in the, in the pews there. If you need a Bible, your very own, you don't own one, please let us know. We'd love to give you one. Your very own. No charge. uh, Just let us know, okay? Love to, love to uh, get that in your hands. Romans twelve. All right. Romans twelve, verses one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, you say in John 17:17 17, 17, to sanctify them by your by the truth, your word is truth. And so We know that it is through the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are sanctified, set apart, transformed. Our minds are renewed. And so, Father, now uh, help us to understand and then, Lord, uh, help us to be doers. Bring specific application to our hearts and minds of how we can leave here and live what we have learned this morning. And in that, be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, we've been talking about transformation, right? And the last a few weeks, every once in a while, I put up a slide here and there's a caterpillar and he goes through all the stages, the cocoon, and then he comes out as a butterfly, right? And, and the whole point of that is that word transformed and transformation is metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. It's change. It's actually supernatural real change that God desires, right? And, and I kind of coined the phrase at the end of last last year, we're not just supposed to be as Christians good and happy, but we're called biblically to be what? Godly and holy. Godly and holy, supernaturally, right? And so we're looking at, at what it means to be transformed, how does that happen, and we've been looking at uh, some of the roadblocks on our journey to transformation. And even uh, pastorally, you know, I get challenged in transformation and, and metamorphosis, even in maturity and growth as a pastor. And, and in one of the ways uh, that God challenges me every week is as this thing called pace. How quickly do we need to move? Because there's this pressure in, in the way we do church in the United States that every Sunday the pastor is supposed to come up with something new. Right? And we're just supposed to keep moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And so there's a pressure... If you, if I focus on that to say, okay, Lord, where are we going next? Where are we going next? And and I study and I study and I study, and this is one of those weeks where I I, I, want, I thought we were supposed to move next, and and the more I study, and then there's study time, and then there's like seeking the Lord time. Okay, what's but what do you want to say? Do this, and 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 for me, the transformation is is when what He wants to say didn't jive with my studying, <laughs> and I have to say, okay. Am I just going to forge ahead because I spent all these hours and days studying this? Or am I going to say, okay, Lord, okay. I thought we covered that, but okay. And, and that, that, that's one of these moments. And, and so I, I share that with you, just an example of even in my role here, there's transformation. There's, there's yieldedness. There's submission to God's will as I seek him for, for even every Sunday. And I was reminded of the, of the story that, that I read. Uh, this new pastor started at a church. And at his very first Sunday, he, he preached this sermon called Repent, Repent, Repent. The Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Preaches it. Very first Sunday, congregation loves it. Woo! Best sermon they ever heard. Right. The next Sunday, Sunday number two, he preaches the exact same sermon entitled Repent, Repent, Repent. The Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Now, a lot of the folks had forgotten what he said last, the previous Sunday. A lot of them weren't there. And they're like, Woohoo! Best sermon we ever heard. That's awesome. Right? Third Sunday. This same exact sermon. Repent, repent, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Now everyone's like looking at each other, like, what's up? And in fact, some of them went to the governing board, the church board, and said, Hey, it's three in a row. Can you can you find out about this? The fourth Sunday. The same exact sermon. Repent, repent, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That week he gets called in for the board. And they question, what's up with four sermons exact same? And he says, you know what? I have other sermons. But I'm not going to move on until the church repents. You see, And so there's this, and I appreciate that because he understood that it wasn't just, well, let's sit for another sermon, and then when that's done, we'll tuck the notes away, and then next week we'll get a new one, right? And I've shared this uh, several times with you before. Uh, my buddy Mike, who's been with us really since the beginning, uh, three years into it, so this is three years old, he says, hey, I have every sermon note, since we started. I said, can I get those? So this is 3 years of sermon notes here. So it's 3 years later, right? This this is that's pretty diligent. That's a good thing. But what's the point? What's the point? Are we here, you know, to hear another message, sermon, whatever you want to call it? So it's so we can accumulate? Is it accumulation? Are we here for information or are we here for transformation? Get, you see? You see, we, sometimes we just have to slow way down. And that's, that's really challenging because when I start to say something that you've heard before, your, 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 your temptation, your tendency is to start thinking about lunch. Or a donut. Because... Been there, done that, heard that. You know, there's a phrase, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. You become so familiar that it, you just, ooh, been there, I know where he's going with this, I know, I know, I know. And if you're not careful, you just shut down and it's like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. And, and, and for me, that's a challenge. Because pastorally, we are sort of trained and encouraged. You've got to get something fresh. You've got to get something new. Otherwise, you know, oh, tell me something I haven't heard, pastor. And you check out. And, and the encouragement, okay? We're not here for accumulation. We're not here for information. We're here for transformation, which is supernatural. Supernatural which is supernatural. And I I use that word a lot this year because I think sometimes in the church we have become numb to the supernatural. How many of you, by faith, put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and believe right now that you are a child of God and heaven is your home? Natural or supernatural? Supernatural! Supernatural! Your relationship with God as a believer is a supernatural beginning. And this process of transformation is what? Supernatural. All the way up until it's called glorification, when we're in His presence with no sin, that's another supernatural, right? Right? And so we think of, oh, we celebrate Jesus' birth, the incarnation, the virgin birth, supernatural. Then we go to Easter and the resurrection, supernatural. Well, how many of us live in the reality that it's supernatural right now? You are in a supernatural relationship. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? Because Romans 12, 1 and two says, "Be transformed." Okay, there's three parts of that. Be transformed that we've talked about, but we have gotta really understand it, right? The first one is be transformed is continuous. It's lifelong. This metamorphosis is continuous all the way until we leave planet Earth. It's continuous. The other aspect of be transformed it's what they call imperative, which means it's a command. We have a responsibility in this process. And then the third aspect is be transformed. It's passive, which means it's done to you. By who? Natural or supernatural? Supernatural. So what we're, what we're engaged in together in a wonderful, exciting way is a supernatural journey of being transformed into the image of Jesus by God. Amen? That's what we're about. That's why we can't just rush through. And I just, as much as I want to just go, whoa, my concern is this. You're going to tuck them all away into a binder called transformation and then wait for the next series. There is no next series. Transformation is every day for the rest of your life. Amen. I would be doing you a disservice if I packaged the transformation as a series. Okay, transformation is done. Let's move on. See, inadvertently, what would I be teaching you? To compartmentalize the Bible. Oh, that's done. Now, nothing against video series, nothing against curriculum. That's really good. The challenging part is that we put Bible on the shelf and it's just a bunch of topics. And when the topic's done, we don't need it anymore. I studied it. First John. What are you going to do with First John when he's done with it? Oh, what's next? And we just ignore it. We just move on. Transformation is foundational to everything. So so it's, we're going to, you know, you kind of just got to relax. I'm speaking to me. <laughs> and just be here. Amen. We're going to be here and we're going to take little baby steps. Because part of the growth for me and, and for you is that God's not in a hurry. And He knows the depth of my stuff and he knows the depth of your stuff and he knows that we may make a, an honest sincere uh prayer and desire to be transformed we that may be honest sincere but he's the one that knows how long it's going to take he really does and sometimes I, i've seen in church them we, we 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 teach and people make this sincere commitment and you start taking these baby steps but we're on to something else And you're like, what happened? I thought, now he's, te- now he's teaching on... I don't even get that. I was, I was still in the transformation part. And so collectively, we're just going to say, okay, let's just, let's just move at God's pace through this, this series on, on transformation. Because it is supernatural. It is a supernatural thing. That's why the community, the non-believing community right out there, think you and I are So It's foolishness. Hey... You know in that white building right now? They think they're in a supernatural relationship with God. They believe that the Holy Spirit lives in them. They believe this is the Word of God and authoritative for their whole life. Do you? Do you? Because if you do, you're going to get lit. Supernaturally, you should be lit, because yes, you are, as the Bible says, a peculiar people. Smile and turn to the next person and say, yes. (laughs) I knew there was something about you. You're a citizen of heaven. Amen? And on Thursday night, you're a royal priesthood. Amen? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're priests? I thought the guy up front. Now the Bible says if you're in the body of Christ, if you're a believer, you're part of the priesthood of the believers. Father Ernie, see, I grew up in the Catholic tradition, so I understand. Ooh, there's the priest, and only the priest can be up here. And now, as a believer, we're all priests, Whew. right? And so there's, there's all these wonderful truths that we need to appropriate and that we need to go live out. And so if you see in your notes, we've been looking at some roadblocks on the journey, churchiness, comfort, complacency, all of those. The last few weeks, we have been examining the role of faith. Faith in transformation. Why is that important? Why is the, the focusing on faith, trusting, believing God, not just believing in God, but believing Him, why is that important to our transformation? Because when you leave here and you are called to live in obedience to God's Word, it's going to take faith. It's going to take faith. Because God may say something to you today through His Word that doesn't sit well, that is uncomfortable, that goes against how you have been raised that go against your, your habits for the last umpteen years and you know in your heart that it's not in line with God's Word and our transformation really is here's God's Word, here's God's will, my life needs to come in, in, in alignment with His. We say, yeah, I want that. How does that happen? Obedience. And what's the core of obedience? Faith. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you start to align your will with God's, the world's not happy, the devil's not happy, and maybe those closest to you aren't happy. Remember we talked about Jesus calling Peter to get out of the boat? Right? And I asked a question. I said, okay. Jesus is out there standing on the water. Peter and his boys are in the boat. Peter says, hey, if it's you... Tell me to come. Come. I ask you this question. When Peter starts to stand up to get out of the boat, what do you think his boys were saying? What are you doing? You're going to sink. You're crazy. Can't happen. Humanly impossible. And the application was, what would you have done? Would you have sat back down? Because everybody in the boat, was a naysayer and everybody in the boat was telling you you can't do it and everybody in the boat was saying it was humanly impossible are you going to listen to the crowd or are you going to get out of the boat because you're listening to Jesus if you're going to get out of the boat you got to have faith he has to be the object of your faith now let me give you one real practical example turn to Matthew 6 Matthew 6. Real simple, real practical, but I want to I put some meat on this. Matthew six twenty All right. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just real quick, what's the main command in that passage? Don't worry. How are you doing with that? How many of you? That's very familiar. Okay, keep that hand up. So, how many of you still worry? So, what happened? How many of you would desire to be transformed in the area of worry? Okay. How does that happen? How's that going to happen? Well, we know from Romans 12:1 and 2, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay, so we have to understand God's will. It's right there, right here. God's will regarding the area of worry is our very clear, very simple passage, right? Don't, don't, you don't even need a lot of background to get that. So here's God's will regarding worry. We may be way over here. How do we get from here to here? Faith faith to study and understand his word and then act on it act on it everyone say act on it okay see a lot of us a couple weeks ago you put your hand up i want to be transformed i want to be more and more like jesus i want to go from the caterpillar to the butterfly yes and i don't doubt that because i do too the real question is are you willing to do whatever it takes to get there are you willing to do what it takes? Right? How many of you would love to have this verse impact your life to where maybe you don't, you're not worry-free completely, right? Akuna Matata, right? You, maybe you're not there, but you're here on the worry scale. How many of you would just like to be here with less worry? Then you're going to have to do something. Because Matthew six twenty-five to whatever we read, 30, it's just already right there. You know God's will. Amen? Now the part is doing what you just heard. That's transformation. That's moving this way over time, progressively. in faith and obedience, right? Turn to Philippians 2. I'm going to go to your right. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians... Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians 2. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Christians at Philippi, therefore, my dear friends, 2.12, I'm sorry, uh, Dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out, okay, out, not for, he's speaking to believers, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, supernaturally, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose, right? Verse 12 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That word, work out, means bring it to completion. A wonderful word picture is a math problem. How many of you ever had a math problem where you needed to show your work? And the teacher wanted to see you work it out all the way to the... They just didn't want the answer. They wanted you to work it out so they could see it. That's what he's talking about. He says, hey, you're saved by grace through faith. Now, work out, bring to completion... Who you are in Christ. Progressive sanctification is what we call it. And then here's the supernatural part. Look at verse 13. For it is who? God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. God is working in you supernaturally to change your desires and to empower you. That In some versions it says God who works. That's where we get the word energy. Energy. God energizes you supernaturally to desire His will and then to do His will. Amen? Case in point. How many of you before never wanted to come to church? Honestly. Just in your life. How many of you now love church? Who gave you that desire? But so what did you have to do in cooperation with God? Get in your car and come. Come. You see how you see how God gives you the desire, He gives you the energy? You do it, you get in your car and you come, and look what He does. Look what He does as you work with Him cooperatively. Amen? Right? That's transformation. That is transformation. Turn to Second Timothy three sixteen. Keep going to your right. First Timothy, second Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 16. Here's the great thing too, as you're turning there. 2 Peter 1, 3 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Isn't that awesome? 2 Peter 1, 3 says His divine power has given us what? Everything we need for life and godliness. Do you lack anything you need for your... Transformation. Let me ask you again. Are you lacking anything you need for transformation? According to 2 Peter one three, How many of you say, I have it all? Now, you're not using it all, but I have it all. Okay? See, here's the crazy thing. Uh, Joanne's daughter asked me at at Continuing Care when we were done uh, a couple of Sundays ago. She said, um, was it just last Sunday? Just last Sunday. Out of the blue, she asked me, Hey, faster! you know when that Powerball was like $1.6 billion? Did you buy a ticket? I'd be honest. <laughs> here's the honest truth. I said, I did. But here's why. Because of all the hoopla and everything and what you hear in the news and all these stories of all the good people want to do it. I said, I want to go buy a ticket so I could be on that side of it and have a piece of paper in my hand Potentially worth one point six billion, you know, before the drawing, just to kind of feel what that's like. And then I got it. Okay, and I'm not getting hyper-spiritual and all this kind of stuff on you. I got it, and I'm like, how many people look at this as their salvation in life? If I just win the Powerball lottery, everything's gonna be better, everything's gonna change. But we all know the stories of what happens. Because here's the thing: winning that Powerball and all that money could could be worse if you got heart issues and sin issues and spiritual issues that money's not going to do anything for you it can exacerbate it right and i was thinking i was looking at like but wait second peter 1 3 says we already have everything we won the spiritual lottery ephesians says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing amen everyone say, say every every spiritual blessing You have it already. 2 Peter 1.3 says you have everything for life and godliness. You don't need the Powerball ticket for transformation. The real question is, what are you doing with what you already have? You have it. You're sitting on it. I've used the example before, right? If Donald Trump gave you his ATM card and the PIN number and said, Here, use it freely. No limit. Uh, well, I don't know if I can do that. I'm just going to tuck it away. How many of you would say, woohoo? You're, well, why not? <laughs> why not? You've been given everything for life and godliness, you have every spiritual blessing. He just says, work it out because supernaturally, I'm already working in you. Uh, it's got to light us up. It's got to give us a vision bigger than even just today. Because today is just part of God's bigger picture for you. See, something you hear today and begin to implement today can have consequences for the rest of your life. That's the importance of today. That's the importance of hearing something and doing something today. Because it begins the process. Amen? Amen? If you leave here motivated, go, man, i got everything. Man, I have every spiritual blessing. Man, it's God who works in me to will and to do. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get out of the boat. The wonderful implications of that can take you to the rest of your life on this planet and into eternity. Amen? That's the importance of it. Turn to James I'm sorry. Let's go to James anyway. <laughs> one day, Lord willing, we won't have another service coming in after. And we can spend as much time as we need. Let's go to James real quick. James one twenty two. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking forgets, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be what? Blessed in what he does. That word blessed, great word, spiritual prosperity. Great way to look at it. How many of you would like to be blessed in your life? Well, according to these verses, it comes from what? Obedience. Faith and obedience to what you hear. To what you hear. If you've been with me since years and years, you know this already, right? You know where we're going, so don't check out on me. How many of you heard your mirror talk to you this morning. What did your mirror say? Ooh, right? now. Now let's be specific. What did your mirror say? Shave. And you did. What else? Brush your hair. Put on lipstick. Right. What? Smile. Okay. Smile. Here's the point. Every day we get up, we're thankful to have a mirror, our mirror says something to us, and we respond. We do what it says for our good. Amen? We're thankful to have something that reveals our imperfections before we head out the door. Amen? The passage in in James is saying, hey, that's the Word of God. He's so good that He wants your character, your spiritual character. He's going to show you things in His Word that need correcting. The question is, are you going to listen? Are you going to listen? Do you receive it with, oh, that's awesome. Thanks thanks for showing that to me, Lord. I was blinded to it. Thanks, Yeah, I've been struggling with that. Thanks for showing it to me. Because I'm guessing many of us weren't angry at our mirrors today. And looking at all the handsome and beautiful people, everyone listened. Right? You listened. And he's saying, hey, don't be deceived. That word deceived, it's a powerful word. It's deluded. It means deluded. Mathematically, it's a mathematical miscalculation. In this context, it's a spiritual miscalculation. And here's the miscalculation, guys. Coming to church, reading your Bible, praying, coming to Wednesday night, going to men's group, nothing wrong in and of themselves. Here's the delusion. That's all you need to do. The delusion, the spiritual miscalculation, is that all the stuff that you just do and, and, and information you accumulate, that's plenty. We have substituted information accumulation for obedience. And that's why we're kind of stuck. See, some of us, when you first became a believer and you started to come to church and you started to read your Bible and memorize verses and go to Delta groups and go to women's Bible study, that was all part of practical obedience, right? You didn't used to come to church, you started to come. At that time, it was part of obedience. When we get real comfortable and we've been in church for a while and going to church and reading your Bible and praying is a whole hum, then we stagnate. Because now we substitute all of that for just straight up obedience. We think we're in transformation when all we're doing is we're in neutral and we're revving the engine. Sunday, Wednesday, Monday, Sunday night. Read, pray, and it sounds really good. And it sounds like you're doing a lot. And the engine's like, you look out, I didn't move. Why didn't you move? Because you got to put it in drive. And what is drive? Doing it. Drive is getting out of the boat in faith and obedience and doing what you hear. Amen? That's, that's the step. That's why we've been focusing so much on the importance of faith. Because here's the thing. When He calls you to apply Matthew 6, do not worry, See, you're in the boat. Linda, you're in the boat. It's called the SS Worry. And you're comfortable in the boat. And you bob for years and years in the boat. And you like the boat. You're comfortable in the boat. But you said you wanted to get out of the boat. You wanted to be transformed. What, Jesus? Come? I like the boat. If it's you... Tell me to come. Okay, Linda, come. But I like the boat. See? What are you doing, Linda? You, you've been a worry your whole life. Sit back down. Sorry, Dale, I didn't mean to, you know, that wasn't you, but. What are you doing? And no. you're gonna worry where you're going. <laughs> For her to do this is faith, and she's gonna be scared, and she's gonna be nervous, and everything in her, all the past, the old Linda, the flesh is gonna rear up, and everything in her, in the flesh, is going to say, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! You're gonna fail! You're gonna you're gonna sink!" Ah! But by faith in Christ, so get. Maybe it's one step out, and you're just gonna say, "Can I just stay here for a little bit? Let's <laughs> stay there." Okay. See, I shared years ago when I was uh, like junior high. I was uh, I used to boogie board all the time. and We spent hours and hours. We go way past the waves. One day we got, I got sucked out by a riptide, way far in San Diego. And there was another buggy boarder next to We were like, can you get in? No, I can't get in. I didn't know I was in Riptide, so I was like tired, tired, because I had been struggling. And the lifeguard tower is way over there. And I'm like, woo And lifeguard came out and got me. And everything was fine. Until the next time I went. And the next time I went out into the water, I had this huge fear of being sucked out again. Huge fear to where I had to go back in. And I kind of gave up going past the waves and boogie boarding. I gave up. I just called it quits. Because every time I would go out, I would be consumed with panic and anxiety and fear, right, of it happening again. So we move up here. And this is like junior high. All these years, I hide it. I won't tell anyone until I come up here. And Robert's son, Eric, says, hey, you want to learn how to spearfish? I'm like, sure. I've never done that before. I get all the gear, I get a spear gun, and he starts to teach me how to go spear fishing. Right? And one of the things we would do is we'd go to baits, and we'd gear up, and we'd walk out. And he says, Just follow me, just learn. I go out, and I'm following Eric. And we've gone out a few times, and, and I would be out, and I'd have a panic attack, and I'd come back in, and, and he would stay out. Then he'd come back in later, and he would say, What happened? And I would, like, make up something. Because I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was a pastor, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, I pulled a hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> so this goes on and on and on. And I'm, 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 I'm like, conflicted. He's like, buddy, and he's taking me, doesn't he? So one day we're out at bait, and we go out. Clear water. Everything's fine. It's not even big surf. It's like a bay. I go out. Whew, consumed again fear, anxiety, da 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 All my head says, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But I'm overwhelmed by emotion. I go back in. And he says, what happened again? And this time, for whatever, I decide to come clean. And I tell him the story. I have no clue what he's going to, because he's like an expert diver. And I was so ashamed, you know, the man thing. So I, I come clean. And we're standing about this much water and I'll never forget this She goes okay She goes okay we're just going to stay here for as long as you need we're just going to stay here that's all I said so he just stood right next to me Same thing. and I'm calming down and I'm calming down and then suddenly I don't know why I said okay I'm good he says okay he met me where I was he met me where I was and he was very loving and he was very shepherding and he was very caring and that's what God wants with you he knows where you are he does and and sometimes you just need to come clean just come clean and you might just hear him say, let's just stay here. I'm here with you now. Bring me into the equation. See, what, what's the power of the lie? It's ours. The power is the secret. What helped me bring healing was to share it with Eric and that he was now part of it. And his, his presence and his skill and his expertise now being part of that struggle in my life made all the difference. And in this life of transformation, sometimes we just need to share it. Even with God. Well, God knows everything. Yeah, but He really wants to hear it from you. Come clean with Him. And then maybe there's someone in your life you just need to, Hey man, this is really where I'm at. And you might just be surprised because someone will come alongside and say, Okay, let's just stay right here. Let's just be right here. And when you're ready, we'll go. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for loving us like You do. And uh, Lord, in this transformation, we want it, we're enthused about it, and yet when we leave here, the rubber will meet the road as You call us to get out of the boat. And our heart will beat And all the past will come and and all these thoughts and the flesh and the devil and people around us. And Lord, at that moment, we simply need to cry out to you and be in your presence and stay focused on you as the object of our faith. So, Father, we thank you that we can move at your pace. And maybe today we just needed to be reminded that it's it's not about information and accumulation. It's about transformation. And the heart of transformation is in faith and the power of the Holy Spirit obeying what we know to be your will. And as we walk that path, you conform us to the image of Jesus. So Lord, give us the courage, the faith to get out of the boat. And in those moments where we have nowhere else and no one else to look to, That's where we need to be. Simply, humbly, 100% dependent on you. Fully exposed in all our weakness and all our frailty, but fully dependent on you and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think about Jesus at the garden and all that He was confronted with, with, with what He was about to face, and He said, Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. You were calling him to get out of the boat and to accomplish your will and purpose through Calvary. And there was a moment when he had to say, okay, I trust you. Okay, I submit to you. Okay, your will is best. And so as we take communion, may this be a morning of of reflection, a a morning and, and a time of communion where, Lord, perhaps there is a very specific area in our life that you want to transform this year. One area. What is your will and what would you have us to do practically in this area, Lord? In the power of the Holy Spirit for your glory. So we use this time now of communion as a time of reflection and prayer. And if you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, you can do that. To believe, to have faith is just to rest fully your weight 100% on Jesus if you've never put your faith in Jesus this morning say Jesus in the best way I know how I am believing I'm putting my faith I'm resting 100% in your finished work at Calvary I believe you died for my sins I'm trusting you now Jesus as Savior 100% I rest in your finished work if that's you then pray that prayer and by all means enjoy communion because it's done in remembrance of Jesus and what He did for us. So we give you this time of communion now, Lord. Just this time with You. We've heard it. Now we ask You to show us how to do it for Your glory. Amen. In John fifteen thirteen, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. You are My friends if You do what I command. See, being in an intimate relationship with Jesus is about love, but it's also about obedience. They go hand in hand. And so as we leave here and you walk with Jesus, understand, yeah, I love Jesus. But He also says, if you're my friends, you're going to do it. You're going to walk by faith and obedience. Father, thank You for our time this morning. And as we leave here as an expression of our love, may we just walk in faith and obedience one step at a time with what you have put on our heart. And thank you that it is you who works in us to will and to do supernatural energy. So we go forth with that hope, with that joy of transformation, but also being, by, being used by you to glorify your kingdom. So thank you for our time. All God's people said...